Section 14 of the Satyricon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Saitram. The Satyricon by Gaius Petronius Arbiter. Translated by W.C. Firebaugh. Section 14, Volume 4. Encolpius Giton and Eumolpus Escape by Sea. Chapter the 106th. In a towering passion, Lucas leaped forward. Oh, you silly woman, he shouted, as if those scars were made by the letters of the branding iron. If only they had really blotched up their foreheads with those inscriptions, it would be some satisfaction to us, at least. But as it is, we are being imposed upon by an actor's tricks, and hoaxed by a fake inscription. Trupina was disposed to mercy, as all was not lost for her pleasures, but Lucas remembered the seduction of his wife and the insults to which he had been subjected in the portico of the Temple of Hercules. Trupina, he gritted out, his face convulsed with savage passion. You are aware, I believe, that the immortal gods have a hand in human affairs. What did they do but lead these scoundrels aboard this ship in ignorance of the owner, and then warn each of us alike, by a coincidence of dreams, of what they had done? Can you then see how it would be possible to let off those whom a god has, himself, delivered up to punishments? I am not a cruel man. What moves me is this. I am afraid I shall have to endure myself whatever I remit to them. At this superstitious plea, Trupina veered around, denying that she would plead for quarter. She was even anxious to help along the fulfillment of this retribution so entirely just. She had suffered an insult no less poignant than had Lucas, for her chastity had been called into question before a crowd. Primeval fear created the gods on earth when from the sky the lightning flashes rent with flame the ramparts of the world, and smitten Athos blazed. Then Poibus, sinking to the earth, his course complete, and waning Luna, offerings received. The changing seasons of the year the superstition spread throughout the world in ignorance and awe. The toiling boar to Ceres from his harvest, the first fruits compelled to yield, and Bacchus with the fruitful vine to crown. Then Palais came into her own. The shepherds gains to share. Beneath the waves of every sea swims Neptune. Pallas guards the shops, and those impelled by avarice or guilt create new gods. Lucas, as he perceived that Trupina was as eager as himself for revenge, gave orders for our punishment to be renewed and made more drastic, whereupon Eumolpus endeavored to appease him as follows. Chapter the 107th. Lucas, said he, these unfortunates upon whom you intend to wreak your vengeance implore your compassion and have chosen me for this task. I believe that I am a man by no means unknown, and they desire that somehow I will effect a reconciliation between them and their former friends. Surely you do not imagine that these young men fell into such a snare by accident, when the very first thing that concerns every prospective passenger is the name of the captain to whom he entrusts his safety. Be reasonable, then. Forgo your revenge and permit free men to proceed to their destination without injury. When penitence manages to lead their fugitives back, harsh and implacable masters restrain their cruelty, and we are merciful to enemies who have surrendered. What could you ask or wish for more? These well-born and respectable young men be suppliant before your eyes, and what ought to move you more strongly still were once bound to you by the ties of friendship. 
If they had embezzled your money or paid your faith in them with treachery by Hercules, you have ample satisfaction from the punishment already inflicted. Look, can you read slavery on their foreheads and see upon the faces of freemen the brand marks of a punishment which was self-inflicted? Lucas broke in upon this plea for mercy. Don't try to confuse the issue, he said. Let every detail have its proper attention, and first of all, why did they strip all the hair off their heads? If they came of their own free will, a man meditates deceit, not satisfaction, when he changes his features. Then again, if they sought reconciliation through a mediator, why did you do your best to conceal them while employed on their behalf? It is easily seen that the scoundrels fell into the toils by chance and that you are seeking some device by which you could sidestep the effects of our resentment. And be careful that you do not spoil your case by overconfidence when you attempt to sow prejudice among us by calling them well-born and respectable. What should the injured parties do when the guilty run into their own punishments? And inasmuch as they were our friends, by that they deserve more drastic punishment still. For whoever commits an assault upon a stranger is termed a robber. But whoever assaults a friend is little better than a parricide. I am well aware, Eumolpus replied, to rebut this damning harangue, that nothing can look blacker against these poor young men than their cutting off their hair at night. On this evidence they would seem to have come aboard by accident, not voluntarily. Oh, how I wish that the explanation could come to your ears just as candidly as the thing itself happened. They wanted to relieve their heads of that annoying and useless weight before they came aboard, but the unexpected springing up of the wind prevented the carrying out of their wishes, and they did not imagine that it mattered where they began what they had decided to do, because they were unacquainted with either the omens or the law of seafaring men. But why should they shave themselves like suppliants? demanded Lucas, unless, of course, they expected to arouse more sympathy as bald pates. What's the use of seeking information through a third person, anyway? You scoundrel, what have you to say for yourself? What salamander singed off your eyebrows? You poisoner, what god did you bow your hair to? Answer! Chapter the 108th I was stricken dumb and trembled from fear of punishment, nor could I find anything to say out of countenance as I was, and hideous. For to the disgrace of a shaven pole was added an equal baldness in the matter of eyebrows. The case against me was only too plain. There was not a thing to be said or done. Finally a damp sponge was passed over my tear-wet face, and thereupon the smut dissolved and spread over my whole countenance, blotting out every feature in a sooty cloud. Anger turned into loathing. Swearing that he would permit no one to humiliate well-born young men contrary to right and law, Eumolpus checked the threats of the savage persecutors by word and by deed. He hired servant, backed him up in his protest, as did first one and then another of the feeblest of the seasick passengers, whose participation served rather to inflame the disagreement than to be of help to us. For myself I asked no quarter, but I shook my fist in Trupina's face and told her in a loud voice that unless... She stopped hurting Githon. I would use every ounce of my strength against her, reprobate woman that she was, the only person aboard the ship who deserved a flogging. Lucas was furiously angry at my hardihood, nor was he less en enraged at my abandoning my own cause to take up that of another in so wholehearted a manner. Inflamed as she was by this affront, 
Trupina was as furious as he, so the whole ship's company was divided into two factions. On our side the hired barber armed himself with a razor, and served out the others to us. On their side Trupina's retainers prepared to battle with their bare fists. Nor was the scolding of a female warriors heard in the battle line. The pilot was neutral, but he declared that unless this madness stirred up by the lechery of a couple of vagabonds died down, he would let go the helm. The fury of the combatants continued to rage, none the less fiercely. Nevertheless, they fighting for revenge, we for life. Many fell on each side, though none were mortally wounded, and more, bleeding from wounds, retreated, as from a real battle. But the fury of neither side abated. At last the gallant Giton turned the menacing razor against his own virile parts, and threatened to cut away the cause of so many misfortunes. This was too much for Trupina. She prevented the perpetration of so horrid a crime by the out-and-out -out promise of quarter. Time and time again I lifted the barber's blade to my throat, but I had no more intention of killing myself than had Giton of doing what he threatens, but he acted out the tragic part more realistically than I, as it was, because he knew that he held in his hand the same razor by with which he had already cut his throat. The lines still stood at the ready and it was plain to be seen that this would be no everyday affair, when the pilot, with difficulty, prevailed upon Trupina to undertake the office of herald, and propose a truce. So, when pledges of good faith had been given and received, in keeping with the ancient precedent, she snatched an olive branch from the ship's figurehead and, holding it out, advanced boldly to parley. What fury, she exclaims, turns peace to war? What evil deed was by these hands committed? Trojan hero, there is none absconding in this ship with bride of Atreus' cuckold seed, nor crazed Medea, stained by life's blood of her father's son. But passion scorned becomes the power, alas, who courts his end by drawing sword amidst these waves. Why die before our time? Strive not with angry seas to vie, and to that fury lend your rage by piling waves upon its savage floods sublime. Chapter the 109th the woman poured out this rhapsody in a loud, excited voice. The battle line wavered for an instant. Then all hands were occult to peace and terminated the war. Eumolpus, our commander, took advantage of the psychological moment of their repentance and, after administering a stinging rebuke to Lucas, signed a treaty of peace which was drawn up as follows. It is hereby solemnly agreed on your part, through Pina, that you do forego complaint of any wrong done you by Giton, that you do not bring up anything that has taken place prior to this date, that you do not seek to revenge anything that has taken place prior to this date, that you do not take steps to follow it up in any other manner whatsoever, that you do not command the boy to perform anything to him repugnant, that you do neither embrace nor kiss the said Giton, that you do not enfold said Giton in the sexual embrace, except under immediate forfeiture of one hundred denarii, Item, it is hereby agreed on your part, Lucas, that you do refrain from annoying and copious with abusive word or reproachful look, that you do not seek to ascertain where he sleep at night, or if you do so seek that you forfeit two hundred denarii immediately for each and every such offence. The treaty was signed upon these terms, and we laid down our arms. It seemed well to wipe out the past with kisses, after we had taken oath, for fear any vestige of rancor should persist in our minds. Factious hatreds died out amidst universal good fellowship, and a banquet, served on the field of battle, crowned our reconciliation with joviality. 
the whole ship resounded with song and as a sudden calm had caused her to lose headway one tried to harpoon the leaping fish another hauled in the struggling catch on baited hooks then some seabirds alighted on the yard arms and a skilled fowler touched them with his jointed rods they were brought down to our hands stuck fast to the lined segments the breeze caught up the down but the wing and tail feathers twisted spirally as they fell into the sea foam lucas was already beginning to be on good terms with me and trupina had just sprinkled githon with the last drops in her cup when eumolpus who was himself almost drunk was seized with the notion of satirizing bald pates and branded rascals but when he had exhausted his chilly wit he returned at last to his poetry and recited this little elegy upon hair gone are those locks that to thy beauty lent such lustrous charm and blighted are the locks of spring by bitter winter's sway thy naked temples now in baldness mourn their vanished form and glistens now that poor bare crown its hair all worn away oh faithless inconsistency the gods must first resume the charms that first they granted youth that it might lovelier bloom poor wretch but late thy locks did brighter glitter than those of great apollo or his sister now smoother is thy crown than polished grasses or rounded mushrooms when a shower passes in fear thou fliest the laughter-loving lasses that thou mayest know that death is on his way know that thy head is partly dead this day chapter the one hundred and tenth it is my opinion that he intended favouring us with more of the same kind of stuff sillier than the last but trupina's maid led giton away below and fitted the lad out in her mistress's false curls then producing some eyebrows from a vanity box she skilfully traced out the lines of the lost features and restored him to his proper comeliness recognizing the true giton trupina was moved to tears and then for the first time she gave the boy a real love kiss i was overjoyed now that the lad was restored to his own handsome self but i hid my own face all the more assiduously realizing that i was disfigured by no ordinary hideousness since not even lucas would bestow a word upon me the maid rescued me from this misfortune finally however and calling me aside she decked me out with a head of hair which was none the less becoming my face shone more radiantly still as a matter of fact for my curls were golden but in a little while eumolpus mouthpiece of the distressed and author of the present good understanding fearing that the general good humour might flag for lack of amusement began to indulge in sneers at the fickleness of women how easily they fell in love how readily they forgot even their own sons no woman could be so chaste but that she could be aroused to madness by a chance passion nor had he need to quote from the old tragedies or to have recourse to names notorious for centuries on the contrary if we cared to hear it he would relate an incident which had occurred within his own memory whereupon as we all turned our faces toward him and gave him our attention he began as follows End of section fourteen